Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I speak to Jason Hills, former Chief Revenue Officer of Factius, an alternative data provider that sells synthetic data. In our conversation, Jason and I explore his journey into synthetic data and his next plans. In other news, join me and other guests on Wednesday the 8th of December at the delayed Leading Point event, where we will be discussing, is alternative data still alternative? London in-person and virtual tickets are available. I am very pleased to, to have you on. I'm particularly looking forward to um, continuing talking along a theme which I've I've been interested in, particularly recently, which is that of synthetic data. Um, so, looking forward to to getting cracking into that because I know you've got some you've got some interesting experience in that. Um, but let's why don't we um, why don't we why don't you begin as I often as I often do by just saying how did you first get involved in alternative data as a as an idea as a concept where did you come across it how did you how did you get into it yeah um so i i was uh actually in financial technology and, and really had spent my career in in what they call fintech uh so about 20 years doing that um interestingly enough i was contacted by a board member at we were then called arm insight and Arm Insight was at that time creating analytics tools for like financial institutions to use themselves. And they had their first data set, which they had the rights to monetize and they didn't really know how to go about doing that. So the, uh, the board member reached out to me and asked me to come on and you know run revenue and essentially figure out how to monetize data. So that was the, uh, the start of the journey that, that sent me into this space. When was this? That was uh, five and a half years ago, so 2016. When you say Arm Insight, is it, it did Arm Insight eventually become called Factius? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's it's sort of a funny story. I mean, we were called Arm Insight. Uh, there was a much larger company called Arm, which was a semiconductor company. Yes, I remember. Yeah, it's British, a British company. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they were uh, they had acquired a data company, which they renamed Arm Treasury Data. And oddly enough, we had a very similar logo, almost exact same colors, and there started to become some some brand confusion. And so uh, we agreed to change our name to Factius. So there was, you know, sort of a silly story, but you know, a little bit of a hassle changing your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no longer owned by Arm. No longer owned by Arm. Yeah, that's that's funny. The uh, they we changed their name, and then they were they were sold shortly thereafter. They were acquired by was it SoftBank? That's right. But so and Soft and SoftBank then bought Arm, but not Factius. Not yeah, they bought the other Arm. The I see. So you were you were separate. Sorry. Okay, That's fine. Right. Okay, lovely. Um, and so um, and so you there we are. It's June 2016, and you've joined Arm Insights, soon to be called Factius, and you've been given the challenge of how to sell data. So what did the what did the what did the world the potential market look like that you that you kind of first approached how did the world look like when you had a blank sheet of paper yeah it was a lot of uh it, honestly it was kind of brainstorming right it was like you know sitting around and let's talk about who could use the data the data we had was transaction data so we understood a lot about consumer spending behavior 
and thinking about well, who are the kinds of companies who could benefit from understanding, you know, where consumers are spending money and you know, changes in that behavior and understanding of demographics, um, which really sent us into lots of verticals. Um, so we were really exploring between, you know, corporates and lending and government and consulting and, you know, investors, um, all kinds of different markets. Did you feel like you had to, did you feel like you had to invent a market? I mean, you're in Portland, Oregon. I, but I, I wonder if there wasn't, you know, I mean, alternative data as an industry was existing, but perhaps more in other parts of America. And was it, were you there in Portland, Oregon, thinking that you were having to, to recreate the wheel and tell people that they could use data? And then did you discover the existing markets and the kind of alternative data flows that were already happening? Is, how, how did that, how did that kind of the journey of discovery happen? Yeah, it's a little of both. I mean, the it depends on the market. Some markets we found were, you know, either mature or, you know, becoming more mature. Um, and for them, it was, a, you know, then identifying, you know, the ecosystem, understanding who the different players are, who you're competitive with. Uh, and then, but other markets were still very immature and, and really in their early stages of uh, using data. And that, that's honestly still true. Um, mm. So we were identifying markets where there was a, you know, a product market fit, uh, where our data provided value, and then we would size the opportunity and decide which market we would spend more time uh, going and building products for. And so, you know, through that exercise, we really landed on, you know, the first market which we spent most of our time in was actually the investor market. And um, within investor, it was particularly the hedge fund, hedge fund end, or, or are you are you broader than that? No, that, yeah, I mean. I, it's particularly uh, hedge funds. I mean, and still predominantly hedge funds, at least for uh, for the data we were selling. Yeah, and what was what was um, what differentiated the Factius transaction data from its competitors? So the first panel we had was actually uh, a really nice, well balanced panel of um, you know geographic and, and demographic coverage um, that helped fill in some gaps that at that time there were there was not as much transaction data available. Um, and so we really found a, a nice niche, um, being able to fill in the gaps that, that, you know, the few other providers didn't cover well. Cool. Okay. And so you are, so there you are, and you've got a, you've got a panel of, um, of transaction data. You're, you're selling it. Um, you've, you've kind of sized all the potential markets and you've found that hedge funds are, are the kind of the, an obvious first step, which, which I think is a common story really with, with this kind of thing. Um, how does it, how does then, how do we get into synthetic? How does that, how does that, how does that change happen? Yeah, it was, it was actually a pretty interesting story. We, uh, so at the time we were finding um, a lot of interest in, in selling this, you know, particular panel that, that I'd mentioned before that, you know, uh, had good coverage in the US and, you know, we were seeing strong interest in more of that data and, you know, our customers as well as prospects were really looking for us to continue to fill in the gaps uh, within the U.S. as well as to provide, you know, international like European data uh, as well. And so we were actively looking for it uh, at the same time, you know, if you recall back a few years ago when there was a, a Facebook, you know, issue with Cambridge Analytica mm. um, that scared our, you know, kind of primary data source. Uh, you know, they, there were people within that organization that obviously got concerned watching what had happened to Facebook. And so they, you know, essentially got cold feet, if you will, and decided uh, they were no longer comfortable selling their data. And so at that time, we were aware of synthetic data. We knew what it was. We'd already, you know, had an understanding of it. 
And so what we did was explore the idea of could we build an application that would synthesize data behind someone's firewall in such a way that we could safely bring this data to market with you know, totally protecting the identity of individuals. And so that was the initial idea. I mean, Jason, it's, it sounds like it covers like a kind of heart attack period in, in, in all of your careers because your job was your, your business model was essentially selling data. And then the, the data source dried up. Was it, did it dry up overnight? And, and how long is, how long, and what can you, can you explain what happened in the period between you hearing that your data source is drying up and someone having the synthesize, synthesizing data like brainwave, because I, I suspect that was quite a stressful period. It was definitely a stressful period. Yeah, it was, uh, well, it was a very quick period from uh, them, from Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica thing becoming, you know, prime time, you know, sort of mm. newsworthy. And uh, that particular partner deciding that they, we're no longer comfortable doing that. So we were, yes, we were looking for a solution. That is, that is true. Fortunately, we were aware of synthetic data. And so, you know, we already had, you know, an understanding of the concept. And so we, you know, we started exploring, could we build out on that? And, and so we, we actually went and hired a, a privacy lawyer, uh, you know, someone out of DC who sort of specializes in, you know, US privacy law. Mm. And, we talked through the idea of what we wanted to build and had him sort of consult us on how would we do this so that we could comply with all the applicable regulations in the US as well as you know GDPR in Europe. Were you aware that it would were you aware that it was a something that other people were doing? Was it was it something that other people were doing or did did you feel like it was a new idea? There was variations of what you would call synthetic data, so you know differential privacy or you know some people were calling it synthetic data. No one was really using synthetic data for the purpose we were going to use it for, at least to our knowledge. You know, most of what we understood others using it for was for their own purposes. So for example, you know, a, a company that has sensitive data may use synthetic data to make a safe copy of their data so that they could then more freely work with it and allow, you know, a broader group of employees to access mm. it or even contractors or partners. Mm. Uh, on the differential privacy side, um, then I've had Leap Year on this podcast before and they, as I understand it, so it's dealing with a, so there are many potential uses of synthetic data, one of which is what you're talking about, which is you've got some data and you're, you want to create some more potential. Well, I mean, it, actually it's the same thing privacy being the being the being the basis so um leap year's solution to the privacy issue um is uh as i understood it was limiting the types of questions that you could ask a data set so it was it was um it was uh, making data hard to uh just hard to reverse engineer so the data set remained the same and it was it was making it hard to ask a set of queries which would reveal an individual you know an individual data point being a person um so i i'm, I'm unless i've understood their model wrong but their differential privacy solution as i understand it is not creating a whole new set of synthetic data but it's it so I, as i understand it what we're describing here is a is a kind of alternative solution to the same problem, which is that you have a data set which you don't want to be able to to extract 
true people's information out of. Um, and so the synthetic data solution is to um, create an entirely new data set, which is um, which contains all the kind of truths and the trends and the and the and the aggregated facts that you can extract from 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 the original data set without having the identities of the original within. Is that does that all sound right? Yeah, I think I think you've nailed it. Yeah, the the goal of synthetic data is to create a you know copy of the data where we retain all the statistical values and statistical relevance that you would need to, to understand consumer behavior in an accurate way, um, but to make the individual identity, you know, impossible to identify, right? You don't, we don't want anyone to ever be able to identify an, an, an individual or a consumer. So what that means when you've got your client um, back in 2016, who was thinking, um, that they weren't comfortable sharing data anymore, sharing their data anymore for the risks of kind of Cambridge Analytica, not your client, sorry, your, your data supplier. Um, that in that essentially what you did, you still continued to receive their, the data set the way you'd re been receiving it before. The difference was that instead of selling it on in a pure way, uh, just, you know, passing it from, straight on to the people who are going to buy it, um, you started taking that and then building synthetic data um, which mirrored it that looked like it but did not contain the the, the individual um, details and then selling that so you so you kind of generated new data which contained all the all the all the truths therein yeah it's, it's fairly close to that we um, you know one of the changes that we made in our process was actually to develop an application which we deployed behind uh, any given partner's firewall. And so the, the partner would actually generate the synthetic data behind their firewall. And that was, that was pretty important for a few reasons. Um, so one, we would never actually have access to data that had any, you know, PII. Okay. Um, and then two, the, you know, the partner would then be responsible for actually manufacturing the data, which, you know, they would have the rights to do. And once they generated that, copy of the data that was essentially a new data asset which they then would grant us the rights to to go you know productize and market so it, it was actually an important step in the process because it got us through a lot of regulatory issues as well as you know legal uh, legal ownership of the data does the does a synthetic data set on pure market terms does a synthetic data set that has been created to mirror an original data set does that have the same market value as a as an original data set or by creating synthetic versions are you losing some of that market value there is a, there is some loss in value it depends on the market you're serving um, you know the the investor market there's very little um, they you know the investor market really does not care about individuals and in fact you know our interest in making it impossible to identify a, a individual aligns with what they want anyway they you know they really don't want that data so that there's no degradation there i think there are other markets like advertising where of course advertisers would rather get down to more of like a one-to-one -one level and so there is still a lot of use cases you can solve with synthetic data but you you know you do lose the additional value of being able to go to an actual individual can you talk a little bit about what 
a synthetic data set looks like in comparison to the original data? Is it as simple as you've got X number of transactions? Um, uh, I mean, let's let's say a million transactions, uh, and um, I don't know, five hundred thousand of them were done by males, five hundred thousand of them were done by females, and and uh, you know. Uh, 10,000 were in um, McDonald's and 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 so essentially how is and then you're creating data which has all of those numbers that I've just said but just it's just recreated all of those all of those details all of those realities um, and so if an investor's using it then they're like okay so 10,000 McDonald's meals etc and so they can treat it like it's like it's real data in that way um, how how does the synthetic data process go about um is that is that correct and and if so how does a synthetic data process go about deciding what to recreate in that way so i think in the category of synthetic data there there are really a couple ways of doing this the there is you can essentially go row by row and essentially just change certain fields within that row synthesize them if you will to where you know, those values are changed slightly or manipulated in such a way where you can't identify a person. In that particular use case for synthetic data, it's more like what you just described, right? If there's 10,000 rows of data, you're still going to have, you know, 10,000 rows of data. You can also, with synthetic data, there is the option of manufacturing transactions, right? So, you know, this is getting into a little bit different way of using it, but you you know, you could design an algorithm that would statistically look at the data and then manufacture transactions that are, you know, 100% fictitious, but still retain the the uh, the value of the the core data set. So that is a, a use case that is possible within synthetic data. But it's not what we're talking about. That is not, and that is not what was used uh, at Factius. Yeah, Factius was really more uh, looking at a row by row level. I see. So fact is what fact is doing rather than creating new data with the truths that remained within it did. But what it was doing was taking the existing data and just changing little bits, which did not, which were not where the value was, you know, changing little bits, which were not the important parts um, for, 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 for a potential hedge fund user, just uh, messing with it enough to make it impossible to, to, um, to extract a, a real, a real person from it. That's right. Um, got it. Okay, so um, what do so what do um, so what do clients say when you when you turn up to them and say I've got a synthetic data set? Are they why well, presumably it might have changed over the time you've been doing it? But are they educated on what this means? And do they are there any kind of immediate issues that you have to deal with and and kind of you know hurdles that you have to clear in order to 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 sell them a synthetic data set you know once again it kind of depends on the the market i would say the investor market you know especially the established you know data buying investor market is you know a sophisticated set of buyers who understand synthetic data i i honestly think that group prefers synthetic data to some degree there's you know the, the safer yeah, it's safer. The compliance team is, you know, very happy with what they're doing. There's absolutely no way that they're ever going to get PII or have the ability to identify people. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it's going to still provide all the, the value that, that they want. And, and, you know, given the way that they're going to backtest the data, they can actually, you know, prove that out, right? So it's not like they just have to believe your, your synthetic process is going to work. You know, you're going to provide them with a backtest where they can actually go back and 
historically test that your synthetic process works. So, yeah, yeah I would say that the, the investor market, I would, I would say it's actually a, probably a positive more than anything. The, there are other markets. Did you, did you try selling it at a premium as a result? No, not really. We, uh, we did not, we did not price it as a premium. Uh, that would, you know, the benefit, the additional value benefit is mostly a compliance uh, benefit. But yeah, no, we didn't do that. So this was this was the investor. That was that that was the hedge fund usage. Um, where where else did you where else did you take your data? Yeah, so the corporate market. Um, you know, in in the corporate market, there's you know sort of a broad range of corporates that might want to use this kind of data. There's also a very <laughs> a big difference between how sophisticated some of the corporates are versus others. So the you know you you find different different companies that were much more willing to, you know, take a synthetic data set as well as be able to use it and create some value out of it. Um, I would say in the corporate market, there's a little more education that's required to get them comfortable with synthetic data and what you're doing. There's also a little bit more of degradation and value to them because a lot of the use cases, they are going to want to do more, uh, lend themselves to one-to-one, you know, they want to follow shoppers. They want to send, you know, yeah. behaviors. And so there's, some of those things that uh, you know you have to compromise on, where you can't maybe go to a one-to-one level, maybe you go to a zip code level, or you know something else. Um, so there was some degradation of value there. There's certainly degradation of value in the advertising use cases. You know, essentially, you know, predominantly that's targeting and measurement. The targeting is more uh, degraded, degraded because you're, you know, they ultimately want to go to one-to-one marketing. Uh, in, in synthetic data, you can't do that. You, you know, you really can only go to like a something, some group of people that's much larger than, than one-to-one. From a, from a regulation perspective, one thing which regulators are, a, a, a kind of one direction from which regulators approach this is the one which we've kind of talked about, which is the Cam- Cambridge Analytica one, the privacy one and synthetic data, as we've kind of discussed is, is a, is a potential solution to that. And what you're talking about the types of corporates who want to go one-to-one are the ones who are going out of fashion a little bit in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the marketing technology, et cetera, is the types of things that actually the consumer isn't as happy um, their data being used for and, and, and where you're beginning to see the kind of maybe some of the, some of the, some of the kind of waves going against it. Can you imagine a future of pure synthetic data and a kind of regulated it's okay to use data, but it has to be synthetic. Can you can you see a a future world where synthetic is is all there is? That's an interesting question. Um, I do. I, I guess I don't see a future where it's all going to be synthetic data. Um, you know, not all data is, is sensitive, um, but I do see what you alluded to is that you know there is a a move to more safe data, right? I think there's you know, maybe some of the, you know, pioneers in, in the corporate or advertising space who were, you know, going for a one-to-one level are moving off of that strategy and still, and moving to more of a, you know, synthetic or anonymous data set um, that is less than one-to-one, but still provides value they need for things like, you know, marketing and, and understanding different segments within their customer base and competitors and those kinds of things. So I, I, I think the general trend is heading more in the direction of synthetic data, although I, I just don't think all data needs to be synthesized. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. So satellite data or whatever, you know, there's a lot, a lot of kind of non 
that doesn't lend itself. But um, do you um, what 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 changes have you seen in in the synthetic data market or or kind of users of synthetic data over the last five years? Have you seen a have you seen a big um, a big uptick? Have you seen a big uptick in in, in competitors as well in terms of um, people people providing it? Um, how has how has that changed over five years? Yeah, there's definitely more players getting into synthetic data as far as, you know, competitors who are, you know, moving into the space and there's, you know, more investment and, you know, companies that uh, are, are getting investment to, to go build on that idea. The, you know, predominant use cases that we tend to see are creating synthetic data more for internal use. Um, so let me give you an example. Like if you're, if you're a company that has extremely sensitive data, let's say, you know, a credit card company, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, by regulation, you're very locked down on who you can allow to see that data, right? So you, because there's so much sensitivity in that data, you can't allow your own employees or many of them to see it, which sort of limits your, your ability to work with it. I think most of the synthetic companies that I'm aware of, what they're really out doing is they're helping these kinds of companies create a synthetic copy of their data for their own internal use, because it, it just becomes very safe, right? So this you know, go back to the example of the credit card company. Once they create a synthetic copy of their data, they can allow, you know, a lot more employees to have access to that fake copy as well as work freely with partners or, and those partners could be like, you know, fraud companies or marketing companies or what have you, but it just gives them ability to share that data more freely, which, you know, quite frankly, just helps drive smarter, more informed decisions. Is it expensive creating synthetic data from a data set? Is it a is it a is it a painful process to to run through? No, not really. I mean, it's you know most of it is in the creating of the the application and the algorithms that do the synthesizing, uh, and then there's just you know processing of data, and you know a lot of that can be done in the cloud, and and it's you know obviously less expensive if you can process the data that way. Is it when you're saying the creating the the algorithms? Are we talking um, tailored? For, per, for each data set, does it have to, you have to kind of look at the columns and look at the rows or can you create a one, one size fits all for any data set and it can just, and it can, you know, it can make up the rules for the, for the right, for the right, the right rules for the, for the data set. Yeah, it needs to be tailored. Each data set is a little different. So, you know, there is a, a process where you need to look at, you know, all the potential fields within the data. You need to understand what goes into those fields, what potential data may end up in them and then design a strategy for each field that would, you know, ensure that you're not including any PII, or if there's anything that could be used to, you know, figure out PII, then you would need to obfuscate that in some way. So it is a, you know, it's more of developing a configurable algorithm versus, you know, just having one, one size fits all. What do you think an alternative data provider, which is currently in the pre-synthetic stage that Factius was when you when you joined, perhaps, um, what do you think are the major challenges if if they were you know listening to this podcast thinking we should probably be going synthetic? You know, this is where the this is where the market's moving. This is this is the way we can we can as you say it's in to, to many clients it's more attractive as if it's synthetic. What do you think is the most challenging part of making the switch the kind of going behind the shadow <laughs> what's what's the uh, what's the what's the what's the most painful bit i think the most the most painful bit is making sure it works right so it's the development of the 
the process itself. You know, I think, you know, there are now a lot of good options for, you know, partnering with someone to, to, you know, to acquire a technology that can do it. That's, I think that's a good choice, you know, other than companies could develop their own, you know, but then, you know, there is quite a bit of diligence you need to go through in hiring, you know, cybersecurity or, you know, someone else to come in and third party test it and make sure what you've done is working. Um, so yeah, my sense is if, if someone is, is thinking about synthetic data, uh, there are certainly good options out there now, which is not, the, not the case five years ago. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would probably suggest, you know, contacting a few of those, those vendors and, and, you know, learning if potentially that's an option they want to go down versus creating something themselves. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so Jason, you, uh, you've been at, you were at Factius for five years, um, into, into from June, 2016 into, into this year. Um, you have now left Factius. What's your, what's your, um, what's your, uh, next step, um, looking like? Yeah, so I'm, you know, currently doing uh, some consulting and advising. Actually, I'm still, you know, working with Factius in in, in that capacity. Um, also helping a few other companies out that uh, that I know of that uh, that are interested in, in data monetization. Um, I am, you know, fortunately in a position where I can, you know, look around and think about what I want to do next with my career, and I, you know, most likely end up as a CRO again. Uh, it could be a data company, it could be a financial technology company, or you know maybe a cloud compute company. But uh, for the short term, I am, you know, helping a few companies out, you know, with uh, with more consulting type uh, help. Uh, a lot of that does tend to be around data monetization. Is there anything which uh, your you think your future employer might have? Is there anything that you'd be you'd be looking for in, in your next employer? Is there anything you I don't I don't want to close doors, <laughs> but um, you know uh, like aspirations. I don't know. Is uh, do you, is there is there any anything you can like kind of you'd you'd be interested in moving towards? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I love growth stage companies. I mean, that's really I, I am definitely more suited for you know startup moving to growth stage. Um, where a company needs to, you know, grow with and scale, you know, I, I probably my background's in in sales and business development uh, and account management, but I've also managed, you know, product and uh, marketing as well. So, you know, it really depends on, for me, the company's needs, right? If it's a, it's a company that is growing and they've got an exciting idea and something I you know, can kind of get excited about, you know, depends on, on what their need is. If they're you know, trying to understand how to approach data monetization and what markets they should be in, uh, or if they've already figured that out and they're really now just working to, to scale the team and, you know, hire salespeople and marketers or, or whatever. Um, you know, I'm interested in both. It just, it really depends on, on the opportunity. Lovely. Okay, Jason. Well, um, well, that's fantastic. It's really interesting. To, looking forward to seeing you, seeing what your next adventure will be. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. No worries. Thank you.